Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, and be sure to wish me Mazel Tov, because this is episode 13, which means it's the Scream Queen's Bot Mitzvah! Yay! So to celebrate, we're going to be covering Paranormal Activity 2. Is it a hit, or is it more number two? And then, we're going to be taking a walk through a New York City haunted asylum when I check out the local attraction, Fear on 21st Street. And then finally, we're going back into the depths of my closet. And I'm pulling out one from the depths of my dark place. Something that's not even available on any kind of video because it's so scary. The 1971 Sick Fest Blood and Lace. So, sidle up to the buffet, leave your gifts at the gift table, and what the hell, dive into some baba ganoush. Wahayam! Shocking suspense beyond anything before. Welcome to sleep awakening. Someone is watching you. You are about to experience terror. So terrifying, you've only seen it in your nightmares. Cinema. Sinistre. It's coming. Soon. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. For more information, go to pennycult.com. All right, kidlets, it's time. We got to talk about it, whether you want to hear about it or not. It's time to talk about Paranormal Activity 2. Come on, kids. I'd be a bad podcaster if I didn't talk about this. I know some people just violently hated the first one, but you know what? I love being divisive. So, let's listen to the trailer. This is your room, Hunter. Hey, Jackie. Who's that? It's your Aunt Katie. So weird. I totally thought we lost it. Somebody broke in and trashed the house. Christy thought it was a ghost. I know you guys are freaked out, okay? And I'm gonna take care of you guys. What's your take on this whole ghost situation? I think it's awesome. This is the freakiest thing that happened to me last night. This is the door closing by itself. Paranormal Activity 2 rated R opens Thursday night, October 21st at midnight. Okay, I know everybody and their sister is going to be talking about this movie this week. So I just, I don't want to spend a hell of a lot of time on it, but I do want to lend in my two cents because you know what? That's what I'm here for. Anyway, a lot of people are calling this movie a prequel 
And I said, eh, that may be so. That's not exactly right. I kind of call it more of a sequential. No. A concurrential. Because it's happening kind of at the same time. A little bit before, but it overlaps. It's an overlap roll. Whatever. I'm wordsmithing. So this particular story focuses on Katie from the original film's sister. And she's bringing home her little baby Hunter. And, well... Wacky shit starts happening in the house. Surprise. I don't want to get into too much of the story because it's still early in its release and everybody else is going to be trashing the story and whatnot, so I'm going to work my way around other aspects of it. Okay, I like the way this is set up. I like that it's happening at the same time. What I was impressed here with is that for a second film in a series, it didn't fall into the sequelitis trap because really the other film was over. The story didn't need to be continued. And a lot of films in this position would get a case of sequelitis, meaning they'd have to just make it more. We gotta make it more intense and more gory and have more characters and have more explanation and more, 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 more. And a lot of it'll just be more of the same without any rhyme or reason, if that made any sense. And if it didn't, oh well. Well, this movie has more of the same. It's a little bit different because they're, they're adding to the story rather than repeating the story. They're expanding the legend, for want of another word. And I found that interesting. And yeah, it's a lot of, you know, recorded video footage. And yeah, it's a lot of small things like doors closing and this, that, and the other thing. But they didn't repeat everything shock for shock. It's not equivalent shocks. Like a lot of times when you see a movie sequel, you'd be like, oh, this scene has a parallel scene in the first one. And so does this scene. And so does this scene. So you're not going to get your ghostly finger slide, finger, figure sliding under the sheets with someone in this one. You got something else. And whether it's scarier or not, that really didn't matter as much to me as that you were trying new things. Other things I appreciated in this. We're following a family this time. There's mom, step... No, I'm sorry. There's father, stepmom, daughter, and little baby Hunter. What I appreciated here is the teenage daughter. She was not played like every fucking teenage daughter in every Hollywood movie has to do. She's not constantly glued to a cell phone. Not everything she says has to come out like this. And she's not always stamping off and slamming her bedroom door and stuff. She was she was a nice kid who genuinely liked her family and was concerned about what was going on and not in an obnoxious sort of a way. I love non-obnoxious teenagers. Unfortunately, I think they only exist in, in, in the movies. And of course, out there in the Scream Queens audience, because if you're listening to this show, you can't be obnoxious. You're awesome. Something that I like too here, um, in the first film, as you know, a lot the scarier scenes were on that stationary bedroom camera and you get that here too except it's all through the house they have security cameras set up what i liked here that's just a slight difference the bedroom camera was focusing on a very small room whereas these other cameras are focusing focusing on a much larger area now when i saw the first film i had a reaction to it physically like i had to the blair witch project and other similar movies where you're where in those scenes where you knew something was about to happen and everything was really quiet I kind of went into survivalist mode, meaning my eyes felt like they were four times larger than they were and my ears felt like they were open really wide. I was trying to see everything and hear everything, like you would do if you were lost in the woods and something was following you or something. I got a bit of that here too. It's not as strong, but what I liked here was that I had to work twice as hard because there was so much more area to cover. I have to look at the kitchen, the hallway, and the TV room at the same time and there's a little person in the kitchen who's taking up a very small part of the screen. So I'm working double time to cover all this area because I know I'm going to miss something if I'm not looking in the right area. And that was fun. It caused some paranoia. What I like too in the first one is that they established a Pavlovian response in the audience. 
And if you didn't go to science class, that means every time you saw that day nine banner come up, you know, the counting of the days, and you got that still shot of the bedroom, increasingly the audience would go, ah, every time that happened. That's a Pavlovian response. You're being conditioned to be scared before anything happened. Well, they tried that here, too. It wasn't as effective because we've been through that already. It was somewhat effective still, but just didn't have the newness of the other as it did in the original film, and I wouldn't expect it to. It's just carrying over this device for consistency's sake, and it still works for me, so meh. I also appreciated the dad in this for two reasons. One, while he's similar to the Micah character, Micah was a really stubborn asshole. Like, even up until the end, he just could not admit anything was going on, and what he was doing was actually causing the problem. He, he's responsible. He's pretty much responsible for all the shit that went down because he couldn't back off and be not not be an asshole. The dad in this is kind of filling the same shoes, but what I appreciated here, he's just more rational. He's, he's like, this doesn't make any sense. You're, you're, it's not coming from an asshole place. It's coming from the dad place. He's trying to maintain order. And when finally it becomes indisputable, he's like, all right, shit's going now. We got to do something. And that I appreciated it. That I appreciated. The other thing I appreciated about the dad is that he's a very nice bear. Yeah, we get to see the very nice bear swimming in the pool with lots of very nice bear fur. Oof. Uh, the movie also breaks one of my, the movie also breaks one of the horror movie rules that I personally have and one that I don't particularly like. And if you don't want a spoiler, cover your ears for about the next 15 seconds. One, two, 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 two. The dog doesn't die. Normally in horror movies, the dog always dies, but not in this one for the doggy. Okay, you can come back now. Now, what's me discussing a movie that I've seen in the theaters without discussing the whole experience of it? Now, first of all, George from the Horror Movie Meetups group was able to snag us free tickets for an advanced screening on Wednesday night at midnight. And hey, listeners, if you're in the New York City area and you have not joined this group, do it now. You're missing out. It's been free screenings every freaking week. Get your ass involved. There'll be a link in the show notes and I think they're listed on my friends under my friends category. Anyhow, so you've got no excuses. Anyway, Mr. Brad and I head out to the midnight screening and we get closed out. There were thousands of people lined up. And personally, I'm glad we didn't get in because that would have been a really rowdy audience. And this is what I like to call soft horror. And I don't mean that the horror in it is less effective. I just mean things need to be quiet because you need to listen. Because in movies like this, it's the small things that are scary. You know, if you're talking all the time and you're being rowdy, you're not hearing the little creaky noises that that are coming from just off camera. You wouldn't be hearing the scraping on the walls or whatever would happen. You're missing tiny details that add up, that are building up to this. You're missing good shit is what I'm trying to say, so shut the fuck up. So instead, Mr. Brad and I went to a midnight screening on Thursday night here at our local theater in Queens, and we still had some of that problem. It was a chatty audience. We got in there and I knew, I knew I was in trouble, mainly because everybody else in the room was a teenager and they all seemed to know each other. Fortunately, all the talking seemed to be on the other side the other side of this very small theater, so it wasn't too bad, but I know I missed stuff. And horror is fragile, as I explained to Mr. Brad. You know, you could be all wrapped up in the moment and really tense and you just all it takes is one asshole to go <laughs> make a farting noise and your whole mood is ruined. And it's hard to get that back after that happens, and that was happening a bit there. I was able to shut a lot of it out, but I know it affected my experience of the film. Overall, I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. 
but I have to give the caveat. If you didn't like the first one, you're not going to like this one. So shut the fuck up. Stop whining. Don't go see it. Because no one would be like, oh, man, I hate the first one. I hate the first one. I'm like, why did you go? If you didn't like the first one, why'd you go see the second one? Because you like to complain. That's why. Says the man who gets on here and complains every week. But I'm cute about it, goddammit. I just wanted to add one little bit of negative criticism. And it's not even for the movie. It's for the promotion company. And actually for promotion companies of the last three or four horror movie releases as well. What's with putting stuff on the trailer that has nothing to do with the movie? Scenes that don't show up at all. In this trailer, there was a shot of the kid in the street. And they're like, Hunter, get out of the street! And they did that in The Last Exorcism with her walking on the ceiling. They did that with the piranha with the fish swimming in her face. They did something with Hatchet 2. It just goes on and on. Knock it off! It's not funny. Also, I think, in closing, I just want to say, I think this one might be better in the theater, provided you could get an ideal viewing experience. Maybe go to a matinee when all the old people were there, which is probably what I should have done. But um, there's something about having to, like I was saying earlier, about having to do that extra work, scanning the screen, looking for where the scare is coming from. Doing it on a really big screen, rather than your teeny tiny home set, I think that's going to be more fun. Paranormal Activity, I liked it. As a matter of fact, I thought it was wicked fun. ago, I had mentioned a haunted house that's running here in New York City, simply called Haunted House, where you walk through and it's completely dark and you go through by yourself with a flashlight, and I promised I was going to go check it out, and I haven't done it yet. However, this Tuesday, my friend Kristen and I are going to be checking it out, and we're going to have Brad bring the camera, and we're going to get before and after footage of stuff, and it's going to be cool. But since tis the season to be scary, I had the opportunity to go and check out another local haunted house, and I thought I'd tell y'all about it. First of all, I want to thank Mike J over at the New York City Horror Movie Meetup Group for hooking me up with the ticket, and to a brand new haunt called Fear on 21st Street. Not surprisingly, it's located on 21st Street in Manhattan. I got there, and even though it was um, prime time, it was 
not a lot of people there. Actually, there was no line at all to get in. So I was like, awesome. So I skip right in, do, do, do. And I'm told to go down the staircase, which is just, you know, your basic industrial staircase. And there's a whole group of people waiting there already, you know, about six or seven people. And they've got some girl in some lunatic makeup, and she's talking in this really high voice like this, and she's singing Pat Benatar songs, and this, that, and the other thing. And I, I understand that she's crowd control, waiting for the next tour guide to be available. But we're standing there for a good 20 minutes. And she's talking on her headset to God, as she keeps saying. And it becomes clear that something has gone wrong in the house. So there's been some problems. There's some techies running in and out all the time. So clearly there's something going on. But we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. And poor thing. She kept mentioning how long everybody's been waiting. And had she just kept doing her Dick, it might not have been so painfully obvious how long we were waiting. We might have gotten swept up with her magic or something. Because, you know, it's a haunted house. I'm used to waiting on lines for these things. Especially here in New York, you'll wait for two hours. And the fact that we just walked in, I'm okay to stand around for a while. But eventually, we get let in. And we met our tour guide, Heather, who's one of the inmates. Because it turns out we're going to be taking a guided tour of an asylum. Anyway, this is one of the first times I've been to a haunted house that has a story that runs all the way through. And, you know, you actually are going through individual scenes and there's a whole build to it. I did one last year uh, at the Nightmare House, which had a vampire theme that particular year. Their whole thing was that it was supposed to be, hi, welcome to this vampire museum. You're getting a tour of this vampire museum. And, oh my god, real vampires show up and take over. As an idea, it was good. In execution, it didn't really come off very well. But that was last year. I'm talking about this year. So, Heather, who's one of the um, outpatients on a work-study program here at the asylum, is going to be taking us through. But first, we have to meet the warden. And we're escorted to the warden's office, and we sit down, and he's there with a the guard. And he's explaining how, you know, it's the first and only asylum in Manhattan. And I guess he forgot about Bellevue, now that I think about it. But anyway, whatever, I'm going with the fantasy. And, you know, they're in threat, uh, they're in danger of being closed down for lack of funds. So that someone came up with the bright idea of giving guided tours of the asylum. And we're among the first people to go along on these tours. Now, meanwhile, as he's giving this spiel, I'm noticing that the guy who's playing the guard is getting these messages on, on his on his walkie-talkie, like, okay, we got a problem in sector three. And, okay, no, 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 it's really serious down here. You, gotta, you can't let these people go down. Blah, blah, blah. So clearly there's something going on just outside the doors of the office where we are. Anyway, next thing you know, red lights are going off and uh, sirens, woo, woo, woo. And this, the warden's like, oh my god, there's been a breach. We have to get you all to the safe room where you'll be, well, safe. Heather, take them to the safe room. So we're whisked off to the safe room. And we're standing in there and the guard's outside patrolling. We're seeing him through plexiglass and, oh, everything's going to be fine. Next thing you know, the guard gets attacked by some crazy person. And the walls of the safe room start crushing in and force us out the door. And then we're, we get to walk through the asylum and go to various scenes. And, you know, the inmates are taken over and everything's kooky and crazy. And it was pretty fun. It wasn't great, to be honest, but um, I was I was aware of the fact that something had gone wrong, so maybe something was off, but I could see it would be fun. Plus, my, my crowd that I was with, the group of five, we had some problems. On one hand, we had this couple that didn't want to be there. There was a married couple, and she didn't want to be there, so she had a big New York puss on. Ugh. 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 Yet she always managed to be in the way of blocking whatever what was going on. However, her boyfriend was making up for that by making a complete jackass of himself at every opportunity. Whoa, that's really scary. Whoa, I hope something doesn't pop out over here. Oh. On the opposite side of the spectrum was a couple from Sweden. And in this couple from Sweden was this guy who was about eight feet tall who screamed like a woman at everything. 
can't even get up that high. But I wish I got his name because you, tall Swede in the haunted house, are my scream queen for the week. Congratulations, congratulations. No tiara for you because I don't know who you are. Fuck you. Go back to where you came from. Yodelay-hee-hoo. Some of the things that really worked with this house is the layout of it. It was very windy and very twisty, and that's always fun and very congested, which it should be. You should Houses should have a feeling of claustrophobia to them. Also, they were very skilled with misdirects. Now, a lot of times there was a lot going on in the room, so it was pretty easy to make sure that you were not looking. It was pretty sure to make sure that you, the audience member, was not looking where you were supposed to be looking for maximum scare. Like, make sure you were looking over this way when the scare is going to be popping out over here. They were really good at that, because sometimes they'd hit you from three ways at once. You know, the thing that would pop off would scare you, and then you'd yell at that, and something where you were looking at it would pop out and scare. And it was... Well done. Pretty pretty well timed. They also had a nice mix of live actors and animatronics, and the animatronics were used very effectively, which they aren't always. Also, little things were scary. Sometimes if you didn't walk all the way through... How should I say this? Sometimes, you know, the guide would take you to a room and you would stop for a while. Sometimes it would be a little bit too long, which is one of the beefs I had, but I would attest that to whatever had gone wrong in the group before, holding things up. You know, you would just be standing around and you're like, okay, we can go now? Can we go now? This is getting awkward. Can we go now? But some of the rooms you're standing around and, and all of a sudden you'd get a little, just a little spray of water from the pipes at the top and it'd be enough to make you go, ah, like that. And I appreciate the little touches like that. Like I said, they had a huge number of actors and like I said, the spaces were tight. So there were some rooms where you had to like swim to these insane people to get out. And that really added to the claustrophobia and the mania of it. A drawback though, and this is no fault of the house, but you're in New York and you're using actors. So I'm going through, and in my group alone, one of the girls goes, is walking through, and she's like, ah, ah, oh my god, Jeff. She's like, oh, Christine, how you doing? So, okay, so she knew one of the lunatics. I knew two of them. And so it does detract a bit. Because, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh my god, I miss you, how you doing? You're all hugging, and you're like, but it's just silly. But that's, again, not the house's fault. One problem I did have with the house, you don't attack people on stairs you just don't do that because they did that and i fell backwards and i stepped on this poor girl's foot granted it was the bitch who was like meh 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 so ha now you got something to meh about but still don't attack people on stairs you're asking for a lawsuit there and my final beef they had one little animatronic feature that i did not appreciate in this one room, I don't know where it was, they had an old woman in a wheelchair. No, I knew it wasn't a person. I knew it was a dummy. I didn't realize it was going to be an animatronic. But she's like, everyone's like, oh, no, it's my granny. It's my granny. It's my granny. And as I'm passing, all of a sudden, granny's legs go flying up over her head. Her dress goes flying up in the air. And out of her vagina comes springing a giant mechanical wolf. All right, I realized we were going for a whole little Red Riding Hood vibe, but still, I, 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 okay. I've come to the conclusion that this whole exploding vagina thing, it's gotta be me. I'm causing it somehow. I attract them somehow. There's something about me. I get nearby and the vaginas explode. That's the only possible explanation. Because now, apparently, not only do they explode, they explode with live monster animals. Carnivorous creatures, the better to eat me with, my dear. I will not be eaten by your vagina, Grandma. Not now or ever. Well, I think I said that to my own grandmother once. Memories. I am way off topic now. 
But all in all, it was pretty fun. It's a first-year haunted house, and I think it's going to get better as time goes on. But by all means, I, I feel I, it needs some publicity. Clearly, people don't know it's there because there's a couple of big houses out there that get all the press. But this one deserves a little attention, so that's what I'm doing. So Fear on 21st Street, you can find out information at www.fear21.com. And it runs through, not surprisingly, the 31st of October. And there's a couple of really cool stories that I'd love to tell you right now, but I can't because it would ruin stuff and they're still running. And I want to be a good podcaster. But if you're in the New York area and got a couple bucks to spare, go check out Fear on 21st Street. It's crazy! time for me to go and share with you another one of those things that freaked me out in my childhood. Yeah, I know I said I was going to put together a really groovy sounder for this last time I did this, but I'm not happy with the name I came up with, which I think it something like it came from my closet or I don't know what the hell it is, but um Patrick's Closet Nightmares is what I'm going with for now cuz you know, it's like Chef Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, but with a closet. But I don't really like that either. So help me name this segment, okay? Mail in your ideas or call them in or whatever. Help me name this segment that lets you all share in the reliving of my childhood freakout sec- sections. Sessions. Anyway, the movie I stumbled across this week is called Blood and Lace from 1971. Not Blood and Black Lace. No, 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 no. Blood and Lace. Now, I saw this when I was a kid, a really young kid. I have the vaguest memories of it. Um, basically, just a gory hammer murder, and that's about it. And just a vague feeling of unease whenever the title would come up when I was reading things and stuff. Anyway, I've hunted for it for years. Every time I was at a convention, I'd ask for it and then hand me a copy of Blood and Black Lace. And I said, no, do you just have regular lace? And they look at me like my head fell off, which I know it didn't because I still have it here. See, hear that? That's my head. Um, but finally, I stumbled across a copy of it on uh, Shocking Videos, which you can go check out at revengeismydestiny.com because they had everything. And this copy turned out to be pristine for a movie that's out of print and sometimes no. Normally when I've ordered off of this kind of a site, it's kind of crappy quality, but this was great. But you know, enough about all that. Let's listen to the trailer. Terror strikes again and again and again. So you see, Ellie, what you call death may, may be only the temporary absence of life. You're a witch. Blood and lace. Hiding among the innocent, a vicious hammer killer. She searched the dark corridors of the unknown to find the unbelievable. Someone tried to kill me last night, and I know who. It was just a dream. I'm not staying here to be killed by some maniac. 
Shock after shock after shock. Blood and lace. Rated GP. So I put the DVD in, it starts playing, the credits start rolling, and this soundtrack comes on, and I'm already in love with this movie, because it sounds like this. Are you dying? Because I'm dying. This has this whole dark shadows thing that I'm grooving on. I'm almost thinking the rest of the movie can suck right now because I'm in love with these opening credits. How sad. Okay, remember when I said all I remembered was a hammer murder from Blood and Black Lace? Well, that's what kicks off the movie. Um, we open up with Halloween-style POV shots of somebody stalking around outside of your normal family house. Now remember, this is 1971, so John Carpenter, once again, not so original with that, as everyone claims. But not the point right now. I'm not here to talk smack. Yet. We follow the POV shot into the house, up the stairs, and into this bedroom where a couple that has clearly just been done fucking is laying asleep. Blonde lady and some gray-haired man. Well... The POV shot switches to what I like to call hammer vision. Because for all of these shots, it's like the hammer is leading the camera. It's like all you see is the, ca the hammer. You don't see any hand, just the hammer. And like, ooh, where the hammer goes, the camera follows. So it's a hammer cam. So the hammer slowly creeps up to the bed. The sleeping couple, the sleeping couple are completely unaware of a foreign presence in the room. And just before the killer strikes... He turns the hammer around so that it's the icky pointy end that's going to be doing his business, which he then does all over their faces. And just as I remembered, it's pretty damn gory. Now, I'm going to stop the synopsis for a second here because I would just like to review a few things. Now, if you listen to the trailer, you would learn, which obviously did because they just played it, you know that this movie was rated GP. Remember that, Betty? I bet you do. None of these other kids do. Or if you prefer, PG. Now let me say, this movie starts with a vicious, gory hammer murder, but then we move on to such lovely topics as child abuse, child torture, murdering children, sex with minors, pedophilia, rape, incest, and prostitution. PG, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, GP, this movie is sick. How did it get this rating? Who was fucking who? That's all I want to know. But anyway, hey, let's continue. So now we meet our lead character, Ellie who turns out to be the daughter of the couple that we just saw get all hammer time. And she's having a fight with her social worker because she's being kept in a hospital because they don't have any other place to put her. She's like, I want to leave town. And the social worker's like, no, you can't. You're just a minor. The social worker is insisting that she goes to this orphanage because, well, she's a minor and she would be safe there because, after all, this murderer was not caught. Ellie is having none of this, because we discover that even though she's our heroine, Ellie's got some tood. Look, you're an orphan now, and... I was an orphan the day I was born. Maybe you didn't know my mother. Yes, I did. I bet you did. Every drifter and traveling salesman, schoolboy over 16 knew my mother. Well, no wonder that girl has such sass mouth on her. Her mama was a hoe. And it turns out that silver-haired man in bed with mama wasn't her daddy. 
And we also discover that that man was never found. Oh, I forgot to mention that after the murders happen, the killer burns the house down. So we find the mother's body, but not the silver-haired man. Dun, dun, dun. So Ellie's having none of this I'm moving to an orphanage business, so she tries to skip town on her own. Now, almost immediately, she finds this creepy green station wagon that's following her. Oddly enough, this creepy green station wagon is the exact same creepy green station wagon that my dad used to drive right about this time, but that's not the point right now. Anyway, the guy's just glaring at her from the car and following her around. Eventually, she starts running. He gets out of the car and chases her, and he grabs her, and it turns out it's Mel from Alice. You know, Mel's diner, Vic Tabak. There's a new girl in town, and I'm feeling good. Bye, 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 bye. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. Ellie, my name is Calvin Carruthers. You might know me. I used to work at the Bijou Theater. I used to see an awful lot of you every Saturday for the matinee. How come you chased me? How come you ran away? I don't know. Maybe because you're a middle-aged creeper who was following me in your station wagon like you were going to axe murder me? So it turns out Mel is now with the sheriff department because, you know, that's a logical career progression going from running a bijou theater to the sheriff. Okay, fine, whatever. But he's here to take her to the orphanage after all. And before we get there, we have a little scene with him in a bar where he runs into that social worker and they have a conversation confirming the fact that they're both fucking creepers. Uh, she sure is a pretty little thing, isn't she? Yeah. Looks a lot like her mother used to. Yeah. Poor Edna Masters. Yeah. Tell me, Harold, did you and Edna ever... Uh, what the hell difference does that make? Well, I doubt that any man in the county didn't. Including you? Huh? <laughs> well, not in a long time. Not since she turned professional. Calvin, your interest in that girl wouldn't go beyond police duty, would it? It might. <laughs> what makes you think she could ever be interested in you? I didn't say she would or she could. And I think you better keep your interest where it belongs. You know, Harold, when you get to be my age and you start thinking seriously about getting married, you start sniffing around for some good breeding stock. I suggest you do your sniffing in some other pasture, Calvin. Uh, now, assuming that you have a business deal with um, Mrs. Deer about directing county business her way... Now you hold on. Which makes no difference to me, Harold. The point is, don't give me a lecture. When it comes to Ellie Masters, maybe neither one of us is strictly professional. Breeding stock? Ew! Good Lord, Mel, you should write for Hallmark. That's so romantic. Okay, so Big Tayback has the hots for a 15-year-old girl and wants him to marry her, and the social worker is boinking the woman who runs the orphanage and which doesn't sound gross on the surface, but you haven't met her yet. This orphanage is a carnival of fucked up. And we're on the Tilt-A-World. And now we switch over to the, our first glimpse of the Deer Orphanage. And they should have called it the Deer God Orphanage. Because this place is fucked to the gills. The first thing we see is a, a teenage boy with a suitcase, sneaky tippy pausing down the stairs, clearly trying to run away. And this big, burly, ugly man comes popping out like, where you going, boy? You're not going anywhere. You're going to be punished. And the kid just takes off running. And not surprisingly, the big, burly guy runs after him. 
but on his way out the door, grabs a meat cleaver, a fucking meat cleaver to chase down this 12, 13-year-old kid who's running away. And I'm like, okay, that's a little extreme. Well, after chase through the woods, well, our teenage boy doesn't make it. And he winds up getting his hand cut off and bleeding to death. And the handyman guy thoughtfully picks up the hand, throws it in the kid's suitcase, and brings the suitcase back to the house. And by the way, the suitcase with the hand in it keeps popping up throughout the movie like something out of a British farce. You know, people keep walking around with the suitcase, about to open the suitcase, but it never happens. It's, it's entertaining. But anyway, I digress. So he goes back to the orphanage and tells the woman who runs it, Mrs. Deer, what happened. And she's like, well, you have to go back there and get him. That new girl's coming tomorrow with the social worker, and he's going to want to inspect the place. And if we don't have all the children, he's going to cut our funding. You just cost me $150 a month by killing that child. And I'm like, $150 a month? This is 1971. So they have to go out and get the kid's body, which they throw in the freezer, with about nine other corpses of frozen kids. And I'm like, whoa, this place is fucked and the movie has barely started yet. And not only do they dump this one kid's body in there, they start taking a bunch of other bodies out because, well, the social worker's coming. We got to fill up some beds. So they take these frozen kids and throw them into the beds in the infirmary. So the guy can just peek in and go, oh, they're sick. I won't disturb them. Because apparently this has been working for a really long time because Mrs. Deer is fucking the social worker. And he's a little bit distracted while he's there. You see how this is working? This place is fucked. This woman runs this place like a concentration camp. Well, not a concentration camp, but a work camp. These kids work constantly they're not allowed to talk it's just awful no wonder they're running away but you know the social worker has no idea that this place is missing like nine kids and now our miss ellie arrives and you know in her true sassy style she's making friends already when she meets mrs deer mrs deer says oh ellie i'm so sorry to hear about your mother's and she interrupts murder and she gets that sassy face on when she gets when she's talking about her mom and she goes so mrs deer did you know my mother? And Mrs. Deer says, No, dear, but my late husband spoke very highly of her. And I'm like, Ooh, it's gonna be cat fights this whole movie, so I'm in gay heaven. Little did I know there's more to come, because she decides to go outside to meet the other kids and instantly starts making enemies. Hi, are you the new girl? I suppose so. My name is Bunch. I'm Ellie. Does Mrs. Deer make everybody work like this? She says we have to learn to pay our own way in life. I thought the Welfare Bureau paid our way. Oh, well, Mrs. Deer says it's not enough to take care of us, so she needs extra income. Oh, look, Ellie, a shirtless, sweaty muscle hunk doing garden work. Oh, that's, uh, Walter Barnes. He's the oldest boy here, Mrs. Deer's pet. He looks nice. He's also my boyfriend. I think I'll go over there and get acquainted You? Bitch, you've been there for like five seconds. You've talked to this girl for three sentences and you're already stealing her boyfriend. Oh my God, I'm loving this movie so much because straight people don't really understand this very much. Straight men root for the good guys. Gay men root for the bad girls and Ellie is shaping up to be really bad. And let me just add that all of this boyfriend stealing right off the bat pays on in the last reel with a good old-fashioned panty-clad cat fight. Box office gold. Oh, and by the way, you did hear right. This other girl's character's name is Bunch. What an odd name, I thought. The only reason I could think of for her having this name is because, well, it's the 70s, and she's always wearing these super tight Daisy Duke-like shorts, 
and little bikini bottoms and stuff like that. And they're all so tight that they are just bunched up all up in her vagina. So she's got panty bunches. Panty bunches of oats. Why did I say that? That doesn't even make sense. So over the course of the next few scenes, you know, Ellie's determined to run away because she knows her real father is out there somewhere, even though she has no idea who he is. Her mother would never talk about him except to say that the first man that she slept with knocked her up. So whoever was first in line is Ellie's dad. Now, from here on out, it's going to be really hard for me to talk about this film without spoiling the shit out of it. And I'm torn because it's a great movie and it's worth watching. However, it's not available anywhere for the most part, except for shocking videos, as I mentioned earlier. So, here's your warning. If you don't want to know how this turns out, skip ahead, fast forward until you hear some funky music, and enjoy the rest of the show. If you want to know how it turns out, you just stay right here. You got five seconds. One, two... Four, five. That wasn't five, but close enough. Anyway, so things are all just bonkers in this house, as I said. You know, she's not really fitting in at all, Miss Ellie, because she's a bitch at heart. She's got this big, nice smile and her little baby doll dresses and her panties always hanging out. But she's cold. She's cold. And somewhere around this time, we start seeing this creepy figure hanging around the orphanage. And I have to be perfectly honest, this dude looked like Freddy Krueger. I know it's 1971, but I think Wes got some inspiration from for Freddy from here because he's got a big old burnt face he's wearing a red and green sweater okay he's wearing he's wearing jeans and little white kids but aside from that it looks like Freddy Krueger Eddie Krueger and he's got a hammer and he hammers in the morning and he'll hammer in the evening I'll stop doing that anyway he starts lurking around he's just spying on everything and peeking through keyholes and watching Mrs. Deer talk to her dead husband Oh, did I mention her dead husband is in the freezer too? And he he gives her advice for running the orphanage. Okay. So let's get a tally running here. She's got her dead husband on the premises. She's got dead kids in the freezer. Oh, and she's got another girl locked up in the attic, all tied up, and she's being kept without food and water. Like you do. Please. I'm thirsty. Yes, Jennifer. I have water. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again, I promise. I'm sure you'll never do it again, Jennifer. But you're going to stay in detention. So the other children will learn by your example. We were very fortunate, you know. When Tom caught you, he could have... He wanted to kill me. Tom was very angry at you. It was lucky I was there. I saved your life. And did you say thanks? Well, thank you. Thank you. That was nice. You're important to me, Jennifer. All the children are important to me. Oh, oh yes, the water. It's so cold and clear. Bitch drank the water! You bitch! Anyway, I've been talking about this movie for way too long. Let's just say a whole lot of crazy shit keeps going on. Um, you got the kids having sex with each other. There's raping. There's beating. There's people going in the freezer. There's people coming out of the freezer. Plus the guy, the Freddy, the freaky Freddy Krueger guy with a hammer is still stalking around. Anyway, it all just boils down to a big kind of letdown fight between the handyman, the, the, 
Mrs. Deer and the Freddy Krueger guy, because basically they're just circling each other with with a cleaver and a, and a hammer. Never actually coming to blows about anything, but um, the villains are defeated. They wind up in the freezer. Ha 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 ha. And it turns out the whole time that the Freddy Krueger guy was really... Dun dun dun! Mel from Mel's Diner. Yeah, it was Vic Tabak the whole time because he's been working for the police department and he knows that it was Ellie who was the hammer murderer this whole time. Oh my God! So she killed her mother and her John and she's been trying to use her pussy to get out of things ever since. Well, has he got plans for her? Don't you want to arrest me? Arrest you? No, Ellie, I want to marry you. Marry me? No one would have to know what I know. Be ashamed to see that pretty little neck in a hangman's noose. Now, being the enterprising evil vixen that Ellie is, after initially being turned off by the idea of being pinned under Vic Tabak's sweaty, hairy body, her evil sex kitten sees the wisdom of his idea. But there's still one more surprise left in store. Mother always said that older men made the best husband. I bet your mother never told you that I was the first one to make love to her. <laughs> ah! 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 Big Tabak's her daddy! And she's gonna have to marry her daddy! Her daddy is her husband. He's her hope daddy. A hope daddy, a hope daddy, a hope daddy, hope. New from Ronco. A hope daddy, a hope daddy, a hope daddy, hope. It's two, two, two skeezy deadbeats in one. I love my hope daddy. You can dress up your hope daddy. Look at hope daddy now. He's beautiful. I'll stop now. This movie was a lot of fun. I'm sorry I spoiled it, but there's nowhere you can find this thing. Even the cast is fun. Aside from Vic Tabak, um, uh, the girl that plays Ellie is named Mel- Melody Patterson, and she rose to television fame being one of the stars of F Troop. And for genre fans, later on, much later on, she was in the trash classic The Immortalizer. I've never seen it. It's supposed to be awful, but I know some people love it for that. And also, Mrs. Deer was Gloria Graham. Now, she was a huge starlet back in the day. She won... Well, she was nominated for two Oscars for the movies Crossfire and The Bad and The Beautiful, which just sounds deliciously awful. Uh, but she's better known for showing up um, in huge roles in It's a Wonderful Life. And later on, uh, for genre fans, she was in The Nesting, which I never saw either. But for all you scream queens out there, she's best known as that girl who can't say no. That's right. This bitch was at O'Annie in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, home of the Hubba Daddy. Hubba Daddy, Hubba Daddy, Hubba Daddy, Hubba. And the rest of the cast, everybody's recognizable. You won't know their names, but they're on every 70s TV show ever. I highly recommend it. Get this shit out on video. Write whoever you need to write. People who did what you did with the Monster Squad and Night of the Common, get this shit out. Because as Whitney Houston would say, that's love, baby. That's love. When you pull a dookie out of my butt, when you get that shit out, that's love. Gross! Daddy! I want a diamond ring, bracelets and everything. Oh, Daddy! You ought to get the best one. Hey, Daddy! Gee! Don't I look swell? 
Patrick and Mr. Brad. It's Tracy here uh, from the Disney Indiana podcast. Well, hey, uh, Tracy. To say how far behind I am on the Scream Queens. I just finished up episode seven, so I'm, I'm catching up slowly. I'm only a month behind. Um, really enjoying it, even though I'm not a big horror fan, movie fan. You make every single review entertaining, oh. whether you liked the movie or thought the movie was a piece of shit. You still give a great review of it and give people reason to go see it or to avoid it like the freaking plague, as you said earlier. <laughs> so looking forward to reviews of the next couple of episodes. Um, also, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for Toxic Avenger the Musical if it yes. happens to head anywhere near Disney, Indiana. So keep up the great work. Uh, thanks for listing our podcast as one of your friends on your website. Mm -hmm. No problem. And hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, thank you for calling in, Tracy. As she said, Tracy hosts the Disney Indiana podcast with her husband, Scott, who a lot of you might know from the Zombie Beat on the Mail Order Zombie Show with Brother D. And, uh, you know, you guys... Scott, you and Brother D, you really should just make out and get it over with. This this rivalry is just painful to listen to. Painfully delicious. But, Tracy, I love that you're listening even though you're not a horror fan. I just, I just live to entertain. And the great thing about Scott and Tracy is that they run this Disney podcast, and it's all happy and sweet and family-friendly. You meet them in person. They have potty mouths that make my jaw drop. And that's that's hard to do without making a cheap innuendo. So I'm not going to do that. You probably already did it, you dirty bitches. I love you. Okay, we got a whole bunch of mail to go through this week. And when I say mail, I mean like actual emails with letters on screens for me to read out loud to you. And you know what? I just finished reading them all and realized that I hadn't been recording. Who's a douchebag? I'm a douchebag. And uh, let's start reading. The first email comes from Metal Mikey. And the email is titled... Episode 11 thoughts, and holy shit, scary pick for episode 12! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. That was all in caps, so I felt the need to scream it. And Mikey writes, Dear Patrick, another episode of Scream Queens has come and gone through my ears. Of course, they still don't episode of course they still don't accept episodes on time, but it's the thought that counts. So let me speak on some thoughts for episode 11. Number one, I'm not too proud to admit the New York haunted house concept you described would probably give me a pair of permanently brown and yellow stained boxers and pants. Ew. Ew. Permanently? Ew. Okay, moving on. Number two, if all guys named Stan are in allegiance with Satan, you may want to watch out for Stan Lee at some point. Stan Lee, come on. He's so old, he would shatter if somebody hit him. Number three, the Brotherhood of Satan remix you offered should be topping the charts if there were any justice to the world. There is no justice in the world, Mikey. There is none. This just Judge Nancy Grace. How the fuck did that happen? Just in time for Halloween. Moving along. Uh, now, I couldn't help but notice you had episode 12 posted up. That's all fine and cool. I've been looking forward to hearing a show reviewing the Night of the Demons remake anyways. And who better to tackle it than you? Nobody. That's who. That was my addition, but let's pretend he said it. Anyway, but you just had to include the childhood trauma into your posting, didn't you? I kid you not, as a wee baby Skeletor, Madam of Madam and Jeff used to scare the living shit out of me. Holy fuck, I should have thought about her when I was mentioning frightening puppet monsters. That and the entire prop shop for spitting image. 
Gah, I still can't watch the Genesis video for Land of Illusion without dying a little inside. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, that said, Scream Queens is par for the course for excellence and fun. So keep it up, my friend, and catch you later. Sincerely, Metal Mikey. Okay, thank you for writing in, Mikey. I'm sorry you're afraid of Madam. That, that's too bad. I mean, granted, I am too. I, I, I didn't mean to rehash all these long-gone nightmares. And by the way, I googled Madam and Jeff. I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. Now, I know we're talking about the same Madam because we both saw the same picture. Who is this Jeff person? There ain't nothing on the Google about Madam and Jeff. God, that madam was a fucking whore, wasn't she? That's why we loved her. Um, and not to scare you anymore, Mikey, I found when I Googled a duet between madam and B. Arthur. And I'm going to play it right now. Ha ha ha! You get off my back, B. You only go around this world once. You got to grab all the gusto you can. Uh, you're not going to grab Rock Hudson's gusto on my show. <laughs> all right, but you're not fooling me for one minute. You just want him for yourself. Madam, don't be ridiculous. Rock Hudson is a friend. He's a, a very dear, kind, thoughtful person. Uh, he's a perfect gentleman who would never, ever take advantage of a woman. Never, ever. To hell with him. Let's see. <laughs> was scary but don't worry mikey the nasty lady puppet is dead and actually so is b arthur okay let's move along the next email comes from uh stacy and i am smoothly transitioning la -da -da -da. it's like a montage in the movies okay now stacy wrote me a while back and um her letter's long and it's pretty personal i wanted to make sure that it was okay to read it on the air before i went blabbing all of her secrets and um, she said it was okay. So let's start blabbing. Uh, it's titled, I Too Am a Scream Queen. Dear Patrick, I had to drop you a note to tell you, first of all, that you are popped the top button off my pants funny. And to say thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I've been going through a rotten patch lately, which thankfully seems to be finally receding. But your show really helped to make me laugh in a time when I didn't think that possible. That, my friend, is a gift that is literally priceless. I also wanted to tell you that you absolutely broke my heart into two separate jagged pieces when you briefly mentioned the hell you went through in part of your schooling. I can commiserate. I was always too tall for my age, too loud, too everything, including clumsy and soft-hearted. And as a result, my parents essentially sent me to school every day with a giant fucking bullseye painted on my soul. My bullying got so bad that my fourth grade teacher, exasperated with constantly separating me from the predators, actually screamed at me in frustration for not doing a better job of standing up for myself. Not one of my fonder memories. I also eventually fell into the bullying trap myself, and I swear to God that if the opportunity ever presents itself, I will apologize with total sincerity to poor TJ, the kid my vicious little friends and I acted like total harpies to. But it's all cool now. I honed my naturally sharp tongue to a surgical edge and learned the fine art of telling people to fuck off. 
So from one bitch to another, I say, brother, you're in your element. And I plan on giving you a shout out on my own tiny podcast. I figure every little bit helps, yeah? And because this email was far too serious, I wanted to let you know something special. I just pussy farted. Just for you, Patrick. Just for you. Stacy. Well, Stacy, as I was reading this, I realized how much I was sounding like Casey Kasem in his long-distance dedication, but that, that's okay. Um, thank you so much for opening up like this in an email, and you're welcome. I'm glad I could help through these tough times. I know I had shows to help me through as well, and it sounds silly, like, oh, a podcast helped me through. But it did. I know that from experience, and I'm glad I could be there for you. Um, and I'm sorry about your bullying. So much rang a bell. I remember when uh, my principal told my parents that, why don't you teach him karate? Why don't you send him for karate lessons? Fuck you, Sister Veronica. Fuck you and the ugly skunk that sat on top of your head. She had really ugly hair. She had that, like, stripe that, that, that Alexandra had on the Josie and the Pussycats. You know what I'm talking about? Gross. I don't care if you're a nun. All the kids called you Sister Monkey Nipples. Burn in hell! Am I bitter? Yeah, clearly. Um... And I'm sorry you fell into the bullying trap too, but you know, you got to do what you got to do to survive, unfortunately. And I have a list of kids too that I, I would apologize in a heartbeat to. I mean, I did some awful things, but that's in the past now. What's in the present? Your pussy fart. I love you. That is the first time ever in recorded history that a pussy fart warmed the cockles of my heart so. And thank you, Stacy, for that, I think. Okay, now uh, Stacy sent another email after I wrote her asking if it was okay to read her first email. And we're doing a smooth transition, as always, trying desperately to pull up this email, and the browser is not cooperating, so we're going to hit pause. Okay, while I hit the pause button, Bradford just composed a little song that we can have a segue music that goes, Elevator fart, elevator fart, I just made an elevator fart. Well, you know, it, it, it goes with that whole Keanu Reeves thing that happened in the past. New listeners, sorry, we're not rehashing that, but, um, okay. Anyway, Stacy's second email after I wrote her back asking permission, she said, It's no problem. I'm in college and work full-time. I know all about being busy as hell. Please feel free to share on the podcast. You never know. Maybe TJ's a listener. You know, you never do know. Weirder things have happened. Uh, plus, maybe if more people talk freely about miserable times in their lives, it can help others or serve as a catharsis, if nothing else. I'm glad my ability to queef at will made you happy. I plan on making a lot of money from that skill someday. Move over, cake farts. Here I come, Stacy. You know what, Stacy? I bet a lot of people would pay you not to do it at will. That'd be kind of cool. I'm going to do it. It'd be like a weapon. Some kind of self-defense mechanism. Uh, stop or I'll queef. <laughs> stop or my mom will queef. Ew, I don't want to see that movie ever. Ew, 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 ew. Ew, because it's still getting ew. Ew. Oh, God. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's talk about the serious part of this email. Yes, you're right. If people talk freely about this stuff, then maybe it can't help others because I did that and it helped you. See? 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 We're catharsisizing together. And speaking of um, all this bullying and stuff, I finally did it. I didn't do it as soon as I thought I was going to do, but I finally made my It Gets Better video for the Trevor Project, and I'm going to be posting a link for that in the show notes. So please go check it out and let me know what you think. I'm very proud of it, and um, I hope you get something out of it too. You know what? This has gotten way too serious. Let's listen to a song about dildos and then come back and do the voicemails. Okay? Okay! We're just dancing. Dildos are we. Dancing, you see, just for you. 
must breathe Happy to be here with you tall and then you do the rest and then dancing billows aren't we gay dancing all night Bayou Hunter, I wanted to call in and hey, Bayou you. Hunter. I'm listening to your um, newest podcast and with the, the, the Night of the Demons one, and you have pronounced my last name correctly. Not many people from, you know, north of here have are able Demon? to do that. Thank you. Bruce your name Arden, is Demon. Pronounced Broussard. All right, oh, do appreciate Broussard. it. Keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Okay, thanks for calling in again, Bayou Hunter. Uh, you had me scared for a minute there. I pronounced Broussard properly. Broussard, which was the name of the mansion that they're at in the Night of the Demons remake. But I was worried that maybe your last name might be Exploding Vagina or, 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 or Lipstick or Exploding Vagina. But I'm glad it's not those, especially Exploding Vagina, because would that be hyphenated? Never mind. Ew, hyphenated Exploding Vagina. Oh, God, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Thank you for calling, Bayou. Hey Patrick, this is Zombart. Hi uh, Zombart. Giving you a call. I'm about three to four weeks behind on all my podcasts with all this Halloween nonsense going on. I'm sleep deprived, but generally happy. I've reached a state of euphoria. But all of that euphoric state has just been interrupted because I just went to see Paranormal Activity too. Okay, I know I'm not scooping anyone this time because I'm sure most people have seen it, and it's old hat by now, but I thought I'd still call in and give you my two cents, because, I mean, that's what it's worth. And here, here, here's the basic thing, to, to uh, for those who don't know, and I'm sure you reviewed it already, but anyway. Yes, it did. It's, a, uh, it's pretty good as far as sequel goes to that's the movie. It's faithful to the first one. That's what and you it definitely has um, a good tie-in to the first. I didn't know how you were going to be able to tie it in, but they do. And it, it's kind of with um, the girl Katie from the first one mentioned she had a sister. And this story basically centers around the sister. And there is a nice little kind of tie-in as to how the sister situation affects Katie's situation and things like that. Um, I'm not going to spoil it because it's still in theaters and it's brand new. But... That that tie-in was really nice and probably the only thing in the movie that I liked at all. Well, I take that back. It turns out that Katie's family is a very well-endowed uh, family. Um, her sister well shares her... Um, they had big dicks and I missed them. Wait, hold on, and hold on, well-endowed family. I was watching this saying, wow, for all the people that loved the boobs in the first one, I mean, it's not like you see nipple, but the cleavage is... Mwah. Beautiful. And just 
great. And it looks like it's not only her oh, and the sister, but down. also oh, it's the daughter, too. Oh, I don't know how old the daughter is, but they were talking about having sex with her in the movie, so I assume it's okay. That's how my mind works. Yeah. Anyway, the movie basically, it, it's, you know, the old grumpy demon comes back, and he's causing more trouble. And I would say that there was like two or three scares that were effective um, only because of the startle factor, because the big loud noise kind of thing. They really didn't do anything in it that I found overly creepy compared to the first one. And that's where it really fell for me. The first one, I was it was intense. Every time I said uh, the new night started, you're like, oh, shit, here it comes. Didn't get that this time. Didn't feel it. Um uh-huh. They're, they're, they used the dog, and they used the kid, and it, it really, like, the dog, I guess, was what I expected from the dog. I thought there'd be lots more, like, poltergeist-type thing where the dog's barking at the wall kind of stuff. And the kid, oh, God, the trailer shows this baby, Hunter, doing oh, all kinds of cool stuff. Like, it shows, one trailer shows, like, him leaving the house and in the middle of the street. None of that is in the movie. I didn't, that, that wasn't there. Echo, echo, The whole echo, thing echo. with the light going on in the bathroom, the dog barking, and Katie standing in the doorway, that's not in the movie. Echo, 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 echo. Um, the clip they showed at the end of the trailer that was supposed to like start the viral campaign where it says, like, what's wrong with Hunter upside down, spelled in the mirror, and how the, uh, the baby is in the mirror but not in the room itself. None of that's in the movie. So it was really like, oh, well, I, I, I guess I feel ripped off. And the people next to me, I like all around the theater, I just heard people going, 15 bucks for that? That's bullshit. Kind of. And I was kind of like, yeah. It, was, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't what they promised. And they, they, well, that's the promotion company. They must have shot the trailer afterwards and said, we have this shitty movie. Let's think of something creepy to sell it with, and Shitty they came movie. up with a trailer that was scarier than anything in the film. And that's a shame. I really like the first one, and yeah. So, boo! It's it's not scary. There's um, they did use a lot less shaky cam because they have the security system up, which was nice. But still, it's like every time they do something with the ghost, like. Like, it's, it's like grabbing and dragging people around kind of thing. It, without it being shaky cam, it looked really fake. It looked, like, ridiculously, like, overblown, fake. And it was, like, the first time it happens and you see something with the baby, I was, like, this it's, it's funny. It, it, looks, it looks silly. It looks funny. Uh, this isn't scary. I can't be scared of this. What happened to the slow pulling back the cover what happened to the slow standing over the body? Yeah, you can't do everything exactly the same, but you, this is the type of movie you need subtle. Something like the door slowly opening, turning the light on, that's the stuff that works, not some lady freaking out and being dragged around the room because Freddie already did that. And actually, when he tried to do it again, he messed it up again too. So, yeah, never recommend. I've talked enough, so I'm going to let you go. But yes. That's it. I hope the shows I haven't listened to yet are good. <laughs> know, of course sure they, they are. Bite your They're tongue. One of my favorite people. And I'm going to be in New York in two weeks. And I hope we can get together and have brunch or something. 
Um, Brunch? That's it. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Brunch? Patrick love brunch. Yeah, Zombart, let me know. Let me know. You want to find me? Let's hook up. Let's do something. I don't know what your schedule is like, but there's cool stuff going on in the next couple of weeks. Let me know. Maybe we can do some of it together. That sounded kind of dirty. Hey, I'm sorry I didn't like the movie, but um, you know, I already talked about a lot of stuff. I understand why people don't like these movies. I understand it. I understand, But I like them. I can see your point, but shut up. You're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. And it sounds like a lot of your beef that you had with it was with the production company. They were selling something that wasn't there. And Paranormal Activity is not alone in this. Like I said... 45 minutes ago that this has been a trend lately in Hollywood horror movies, and I don't get it. I don't like it. My phone is ringing. Please be quiet. I'm doing a podcast right now. Um, and, you know, as for people saying, man, that was 15 bucks. This is bullshit. I've heard that after every fucking movie I've seen. There's always people saying that was bullshit. No matter how scary the movie was, or even when it's not a scary movie, I find people say things after, like that after they've been scared just to prove that they weren't scared. The guy that just crapped his pants in the haunted house is like, damn, that wasn't scary at all. I just happened to crap my pants because of them damn enchiladas. Ooh, baby, hey, baby. Okay, I'm way off topic. Zombar, we are going to meet up, and it's going to be crazy. I'm even going to wear my crazy pants. Hey, Patrick, it's Betty. Betty! Wanted to say hello and uh, compliment you on your um, latest promo that I've heard on a couple of shows now. Um <laughs> It made me almost run off the road um, when yeah. you were naming all the scream right. queens, and then you say, the weatherman who saw the cockroach. And then you're going, you played that <laughs> recording of him going, oh, my God, oh, my God. And oh then you God, play them all together oh screaming. God. It was so hilarious. <laughs> if that doesn't get you new listeners, I honestly don't know what will. I mean, it was uh, great. Bribe. So good job putting that together. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank secondly, you definitely have to let us all know when you go to that haunted house, because that sounds terrifying. Um, the fact that you have to go through alone, armed with nothing but a pen light, and you have to sign something allowing them to touch you? Holy shit, that's scary. <laughs> I think that would scare just about anyone, so you'll have to let us all know when you go, and I know you will, and I hope you do get to go, because that sounds great. Um, I got my ticket. concept, but why didn't anybody think of that before? Great idea. Uh, anyway, thirdly and lastly, <clears throat> I wanted to put in my vote for best horror puppet in answer to Zombart's question. Um, it would have to be, and I can't even talk about this character without imitating him, so here, we, here goes. <clears throat> it's animal. And that character's name would be Belial, and I'm not even going to say what movie it's from, because everybody knows who he is. He gets my vote for Best Horror Puppet. Talk to you later. Betty, Betty, Bo Betty, Fanana, Fanna, Fo Fetty, me, my Mo, Betty, it's Betty! We love Betty! Um, gosh, I get so excited when she calls. Anyway, um, I'm sorry, I thought that was Animal. Or Pee Wee Herman. There is a resemblance between... I've never seen the three of them in the same place. And I'm going to pretend that I was cool enough to know who that was without stopping the recording to go look on IMDb, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I figured it as soon as I saw it on there. 
I went, oh, of course, of course, of course. And Belial is, of course, from Basket Case. Which I knew this whole time. I was just looking it up for uh, Mr. Brad's um, education. Shut up. And I'm glad you liked the promo. I, it took a lot of work. It's you know, breaking, I don't know how many copyright violations. And um, But I think it came out really good. I, I had the idea in my head of what I wanted to do. And it took a whole hell of a lot of fucking around with Audacity to get it out. And I'm glad it's paying off. What else did we talk about? Oh, the Haunted House. Yes, um... I've got my tickets for Tuesday night, and of course I'm going to be covering it on here. It's my excuse to go to these places now. I wonder if I can write this off on my taxes. That's not the point right now. Uh, yeah, I'll, my friend, uh, I'll be joined by my friend Kristen, who is a supermodel extraordinaire who just got back from a tour of China. Smell her. And, um, well, we're going in with the camera. Well, not in with the camera, but Mr. Brad's going to be online because he's not going to go in because he'll die. And he'll be recording the before and after shots and stuff. Um, yeah, my friend Christopher, star of Naked Boy Singing on off, on the Off-Broadway, he went on Friday, and he talked to me on Saturday, and he said, I'm still a little shaky. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it, and I'm God, I'm singing the Pointer Sisters, which means it's time to wrap this puppy up. And remember, as always, if you want to reach me, you can call me here at the show at 347-767-3509. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z, goddammit! You can tweet me on Twitter. You can like me on Facebook. And hey, if you're on Xbox Live, you can become my friend at Red Menace NYC. That's all lowercase, Red Menace space NYC. And you can teach me how to play verses in Left 4 Dead because I suck the hootie. So be sure to join us next time because it's our Halloween extravaganza. Brian from Drug and Zombies is going to be joining us. Mr. Brad's going to be joining us. And it's going to be spooky, but not in a racist way. So remember, as my grandmama used to say, You smart mouth me again, boy, and I will let loose the wolf out of my vagina. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>